Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence, a conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? Back in 1946, Jay Calton Mays came out of distinguished World War II service and started a printing company in Detroit. Mays Printing was the city's first African-American-owned printing company. James C. Mays, a second-generation printer, was instrumental in helping his father elevate the company locally and nationally. As a young girl growing up in Detroit, Elizabeth Mays saw firsthand how a successful printing business should be operated by watching her grandfather and father at work. Today, Elizabeth serves as CEO of Mays Multimedia, a firm doing events, web development, graphic design, video, the capturing of personal obituaries, and more. On this podcast, Elizabeth Mays touches on timeless family business legacy issues and timely societal issues. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So I know just enough to be dangerous about your really interesting business and family story. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, that's why we do this, to capture it. So take, take me back what I think is what, about 74 years this year? I mean, a business started by your grandfather. Yes. Uh, like I work at a business started by my grandfather, but, but to tell, what's the founding story? What's the origin, the roots? And we'll go from there and all over the place. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so the story starts by me, of course, paying extreme homage to my grandfather throughout the entire um, legacy of the family business. So when my grandfather graduated high school and um, it was time for him to go off to college, he was accepted to Wilberforce University. And um, my grandfather bought him a one-way ticket from Monroe, Louisiana to Wilberforce, Ohio, okay. and said, son, make something great out of yourself. Um, this is a one-way ticket, and I don't plan on you coming back. So when my grandfather um, started college, uh, it was very, um, of course, very difficult at that time to afford, um, you know, getting a college or a university education um, and coming from the South, which, you know, when families have just enough to sometimes get by. Um, so <clears throat> when my grandfather went away to college, he knew that it was time for him to make, you know, to create the foundation for the next generation of the legacy of his family. Um, so he decided to study journalism. And um, funny thing, when my grandfather was in college, um, he for his second semester, he didn't have enough to complete uh, the, the funds necessary to go on to the second semester. Um, and he literally pled to the dean and said, I don't have the money to finish college, but my father gave me a one-way ticket and I need to be here. And uh, he heard his plea and he gave him a job on campus to make up the remaining money that he owed for college so that he can complete his first year and the rest is history. So upon graduating from Wilberforce, my grandfather uh, actually went straight into the military um, and he was a Tuskegee Airman. So a lot okay. of people may not know that from my grandfather's history. Journalism in college. Um, when he went over to to um, the military and, and and became a Tuskegee Airman, one of his main um, duties and responsibilities was was to do photojournalism of the actual pilots and all of the men that were part of the quadrant. So my grandfather, um, you know, did a lot of. He worked for the newspaper 
and help to uh, to gather and also retain some of the most important content that actually we might see in some museums today in regards to the history of his time um, being Tuskegee Airmen. So upon being um, discharged, he moved to Michigan, Detroit, Michigan, because like I mentioned my grandfather's from Monroe, Louisiana. And he said, well, I have this degree in photojournalism and you know, he had a passion for getting into printing. So he decided to start a printing company out the back uh, back trunk of his car. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, st he started up a very, very small, very, very small printing plant. And um, we predominantly at that time worked for religious institutions such as churches, um, nonprofit organizations, um, any, anything or anyone that was helping people both spiritually and also physically. So he began selling um, obituaries and church bulletins at the trunk of his car and eventually over time was able to purchase a brick and mortar and raise his son who's my father in the family business wow. so my father was an indentured servant so he grew up in the family business but he actually took a very keen liking to it and normally um you know when you raise your child in the family business you kind of either have to grab them by the shoulder to remind them of the the work that was pay before them on why they're able to eat, sleep, and have their being. Um, my grandfather did it. If anything, he said, son, this is a business that I'm growing, and um, I want you to be a part of it. Um, so he still allowed my father to be a child, got to go to the YMCA, got to do kid things, but also he had the choice to hang out at the family business and also work in a way to make money. So my father um, ended up growing up in the family business, and when my father was 20, Two, he graduated from college and went straight into the family business. He went to Western Michigan University and studied, um, uh, at that time, I believe it was just called print engineering. Um, when I graduated, it was called um, chemical and paper engineering. Wow. So, so real, real plan in your family to study and learn and bring yeah. business. Because, <laughs> you know, physical, you know, um, you know, growing up in the, the time where you can actually learn about a business just through being in the space, tangible, you know, what do they call it, one-on-one -on -one learning. Um, my father and my grandfather were very, very solid about education and getting a college degree. So while I was in college, um, getting my degree in biomedical sciences, as we can see, that's not where I am today. Um, okay, uh, I ended we'll come back around to that. Around to that. Um, I ended up changing my major after my freshman year and decided to switch into an industry that I really felt like I could creatively be the person that I also wanted to be as a child other than medicine. And I determined my degree into film, video, and media studies. So okay. at Western, the same college in which my father went and received his um, degree in printing, I went and received my minor in um, chemical and paper engineering and my major in film, video, and media studies. And the interesting part, Jamie, is that while I was in the process of getting my degree uh, in my second year, that's when my father told me that I should get a minor in my family business. And I knew I would be a part of the family business in some way. I just didn't know how. Okay. Um, I, was, I was expected to graduate from college. Do you, and do, you have other sub, do you have other siblings? No, not right now. Okay. Not at the moment. Not at the moment. So um, I and, was thinking about... And your and your the first where was the uh, I guess the first printing operation that yeah, post of the so. post of the trunk of the car where where did <laughs> sort of the, the physical roots of yeah in Detroit printing. in the city yep in the city of Detroit um, right at the border of Highland Park okay uh -huh. 
Yeah, it was. Um, and then of course it grew um, and into a space in Highland Park. And then after that was where we last settled prior to me taking over the family business was in Detroit off of uh, Livernois and the Lodge Freeway. Um, some people know Closer Street Puritan. So um, that was where we settled for almost 35 to 40 years. Wow. And mm -hmm. how, how and, was the, um, I mean, because you were around it, the, we'll call it the transition from the founding, your grandfather, to your father's mm -hmm. time. How did, was that an orderly process? Was there, uh, or were there some challenges with that? And just, I, 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 I can't really picture it, but it's always a really interesting story in, in, in generational businesses. Right. Founder to the next gen. And it usually is. Um, my father's story is told by him many times um, to <laughs> me as a reminder. It ain't always easy to work with your parent. Um, right. He actually, uh, my grandfather was working predominantly in letterpress. And when my father came along, that's when they started moving into offset. Okay. And new wave technology were starting to emerge slowly but surely. And my father actually my father and my grandfather they kind of went tit for tat for a few years because my grandfather was so old-fashioned as many people are um i'm pretty sure i'm old-fashioned considered to an eight-year-old <laughs> um and he knew his process he knew his procedure he knew the technology um at that time my grandfather and then my father was trying to introduce fast waves of things that he saw coming because my grand my father was like he's he's a huge visionary right so All my right. father He's like, we're, we're doing this amount of sales this year. We need to be doing this amount of sales next year. And my grandfather was like, hold on, partner. This is my company. And how do you know it's going to work? And after multiple tug of wars, uh, my grandfather gave in and started to um, bring on the new wave of technology, which was offset printing. And upon offset printing, um, came into digital printing. And I sure. came right at trends of digital printing and started to take the business to the next waves so it was not the easiest thing but they respected each other at the end of the day because when you're working with a family member you want to leave your family sometimes problems or even sometimes you know good things at home because you don't want it to interfere with the possibility of bumping heads while at work because that just exactly. happens right is there, a, is there some um you know, motto or, or, or creed or something from your grandfather's from the early days of this business that's, I mean, you're wearing a shirt that says Detroit Grinds, but probably with something else. What, what, what um, do you, is, is there one that's kind of stayed the course of the business? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, there's or two some, things. okay. Oh, absolutely. The one thing that my grandfather taught my father and my father taught me is integrity first. Great. Integrity first. And for some that might be, oh, okay, the word integrity, you know, people try to live by that every day. And the quote unquote try is not good enough for my family. Um, everything that we do, we have to put our best foot forward. Um, and we have to do things ethically. Um, I've even oh. been trying to, um, hey there. <laughs> I've even oh, been that's trying. That, that makes it real. <laughs> I've even been tried in my business um, over the nine years of me running it to have to have been a, a, approached by many different people and also scenarios that could have helped that could have caused me to compromise my integrity. Um, so that is something my dad always tells me. So whenever I'm going against something or I'm a little challenged, he said, just keep your integrity first um, and it'll follow. And this integrity, this word leads to the second thing that my grandfather told my dad. He said that um, the only thing I can leave you is a good name. Yeah, can you hear me? 
Yeah, I hear you. There's my dog's barking because someone rang the doorbell. How, how, <laughs> hold on. We'll come. Gonna... Goody. I'm sorry. We got waylaid there talking about integrity is like critical stuff to be talking about. You talked about some tests you've had of that. Or, or do you recall some stories from the earlier days of the business where that integrity first was, was stressed or put to the test or something happened? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I would say about, um, um, say about six years ago, no, five years ago, um, when I started to think about the word acquisition in regards to growing the business, not just in a grassroots way, but in a very um, accelerated way. It's uh, so interesting because when you start thinking about things, they start surfacing, even mm -hmm. in the ways that you don't expect. Um, so I started doing research, talked to my financial advisor, and probably at, within six months of speaking of the words um, acquisition, we were approached by a company to uh, buy our business. Oh, and okay. yeah, and at that time, of course, they were very familiar with me, my father, and, our, and um, the legacy in which we had built. And the amount along with the terms in which the, the, the institution was looking to purchase us was, it was an insult. And for someone who, you know, for me, who has grown up and actually has seen my father, has worked in the printing plant since I was seven, um, folding and, and, and assembling paper and, mm -hmm. you know, and talking and, and engaging with the pressmen. I saw what my parents built. Cause when I say parents, because anything that a husband does, usually a sure. wife is involved. Anything a wife does, a husband's involved. And I saw even the sacrifice that my parents had to put forward and for, for an institution to come to me without even engaging in conversation truly about who we are as people. Um, to buy my business that right there i was like the integrity would be compromised if i even thought twice to possibly sell this family business um so that right there that was one in, that was one instance where i was definitely challenged. pretty pretty strong filter yeah very very <laughs> and i thought to myself it was like if i'm looking at and at that time i was thinking about purchasing um smaller mom and pop companies right. you were more the wanting to be the acquirer than to be acquired i was trying to be acquirer of companies who did not have a legacy that were up in the, against the wall of closing and i know so many small print companies that don't have a legacy or don't have someone to pass the business on to or even to sell it to an employee um my my art at that time we were trying to actually save companies from having to close because when you close there's nothing left you have absolutely nothing. Uh, uh so it was so interesting that i was approached <laughs> So you made you made this you made a a little bit of a switch from sort of the medical track to really learning pieces of this business and for the future. So did you join the business right out? I mean, you were working in it as a young person. Join right out of college. I did. I finished up my intern my last year internship um, at the company, the okay. family business, but not thinking I was actually going to take over the family business. So upon graduation um, and actually um, applying for uh, jobs out in Washington, D.C., where my older sister had worked for the government, okay. um, my father, prior to me even accepting a job with NPR, my father was, he told me, hey, um, remember that minor I told you to get? And I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, it's time for you to use it. Okay. And 
I was like, so what are you telling me? And he had known that previous years, not only was I groomed by college, but I was also groomed at a younger age to take on a lot of like adult responsibilities because my mom had lost her sight. And I was the oldest in the house to actually take care of my siblings. So I was groomed very young without even knowing it. And he told me that it's time for me to pass over and start to pass over this business to the next generation. And he said he wanted it to be me. And not having secured a job 100% and also knowing that my father at that time did not have another executive to share the business with because his sister had passed away um, five months prior from an unexpected cancer. And uh, well, I don't want to say it was cancer, but she had died from an illness. And um, at that very moment, he knew that he had to start grooming the next generation. So he groomed me. I took over the family's business um, once I graduated from college. And I've been in the leadership role since then. Fantastic. I mean, you had a pretty clear path. You had to make your way and deal with some. Yeah. But I'm a quick learner. I'm a very quick learner. And also, I already knew the industry a lot. I had excellent customer service skills, um, very charismatic, you know, in terms of how to handle business. So surprisingly, it wasn't an odd transition for me. Great. It was. Who who else besides family kind of mentored you or did you draw on to use those fast learning skills? Right. I would say the fast learning skills. At that time, it was predominantly my father. He was my mentor. Um, And here and there, um, I can name, I don't have to name them, but there's a collective of women and a couple yeah. men who were all um, colleagues of my father who kind of took me underneath their wings to kind of tell me, hey, this is the direction you want to go to start, to start getting contracts. This is who you want to call if you want an opportunity to sit at the table with the CEO. Um, I was given um, a lot of um, help in the direction of telling me what I should do, um, how I should do it. Um, but I do pay all of my homage to my father, but I also do pay respect to um, the various men and women who saw that, yeah, that I was going in that direction and wanted to help me. So. And so the founding company was Maze Printing and was Maze Printing right. for many, many years. At what point did you rebrand and become Maze Multimedia? What was, what's the story behind that? Yeah, um, because the word printing is very affixed uh, into the actual ye- product yielded. When you think about right. Printing, sure. you're thinking about the, 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 the final project, but you don't think about all of the consulting, the design work, the branding, marketing, and also agency work that goes in prior to it. So right when I took over the family business is when we decided to change it into multimedia because we knew that, um, I knew that um, I wanted to eventually incorporate other elements of the education I had received previous in graphic design and also in film and videography, which we do. We offer services for commercial videography um, and also photography services. Uh, I knew that multimedia will give us the opportunity and to open up the plethora of services that we wanted and also to grow into it as well. You know, because sometimes you have to put the, you have to put out there what you want to become and then start living it the day you say it. Right. So, uh, you know, we got a business from a couple of generations ago to today. So, and you're, you're a young, energetic person leading a business. What, what, what's kind of the vision? And I mean, so much is changing in the world of multimedia, but what's kind of the vision for the future? I mean, what's the next big milestone you're planning for? Ooh, you know what? 
Um, other than the fact that prior to us taking this call, I was looking at this photo right here. Um, this is of my nephew and my niece. Okay. Um, Beautiful. And prior to you know getting on the call with you, I was looking at this photo and I keep it on my desk. And I was thinking already at the young age of 30, I don't have any children yet. Okay. And I was like, I'm cultivating this business and growing this business so that maybe one day they want to be in the family business. That's you're thinking about for that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, because my thing is if my father didn't start thinking at 30 when he's you know, right before he had kids, then um, you know, what's the likelihood of him actually evolving the company to what it has what was given to me? Um, and it's a very rare occasion um, that sometimes at a very young age you actually think about passing it down to the next generation. You it just happens sometimes. Um, so for me, you know, we're heavy in signage right now. We do a lot of events. Um, unfortunately, due to the COVID pandemic, um, we've lost about 60 to 70% of our business um, because events are not happening like they normally do. Um, but because we offer a wide range of divisions, we do consulting. So we consult in terms of um, like agency type level communications for customers. We do signage. Um, that both indoor and outdoor. We're offering printing services, both digital and offset. Um, wide format is very popular for us. And then publishing. We publish books and magazines. So for me, the next big thing that we want to do is actually upgrade our facilities and start um, manufacturing books in larger quantities um, due to the volume of actually what we plan to get. Right now, I'm publishing between three to four books a month. Um, and my goal is hopefully in the next, you know, three to five years, um, we're doing at least 50 to 100 a month. And that's possible. Interesting that you're in all those different media forms and media is shifting and changing. And we're still yes. talking about printing published physical books because there is, mm -hmm. you know, all of us sit on these Zoom calls with books behind us because books behind it, right? Yeah. yeah, they're still real <laughs> and you can touch and, and love them. Uh, <laughs> You know, you showed the picture of like that niece and nephew and they're young and you're talking, you know, a little bit of vision out for the next gen. But so what advice would you have for if someone's going to join May's Multimedia from this, from the fourth generation? Ooh. What would you tell them? <sighs> that we thought that, that I was thought of, my, okay, let me do it this way. My father was thought of as a twinkle in my dad's eye, my grandfather's eye. I was thought of as a twinkle in my dad's eye and that they were thought of as a twinkle in my eye. Um, when, when you have a legacy of a family business it's meant to be passed on um, in the, in, you know, in the fashion of what it is, but it's meant to also be taken to the next level. Yeah. Um, when we made this business multimedia it's because I wasn't just thinking about myself, but I was thinking about who's coming next. Um, and a lot of times we kind of get stuck in thinking that we just have to, own the company to be a part of the company when that's not true we have graphic designers we have videographers we have cinematographers we have um pressmen you know we have secretaries we have copywriters here uh, how, how big the, how big is the team at, at maze multimedia right now it's eight of us all together okay mm -hmm. plus and, other resources you draw on to do these oh absolutely these oh my goodness yeah. absolutely in terms of our independent contractors we probably got about seven or eight mm -hmm. right now on our leisure um but uh, I want them to know that I am diversifying this business as much as possible so that in the event 
the, the, the an opportunity for a conversation happens and when that conversation does, they can at least understand what their desires and goals are and how it could possibly pay a, a, a part. I didn't say a small part, I didn't say a big part, but a part of um, their future. Um, this business can be for anyone who wants to be in part-time, someone who wants to be um, you know, an executive, um, it, there's so much opportunity in that's the great. roles and also services that someone can produce here without having to feel obligated to be in the owner. So you brought up, I mean, we're, we're recording sitting here at the first day of, of, of June of 2020 and trying to make these episodes be more evergreen, but I mean, the COVID <laughs> pandemic is a real big thing. And, and I rescheduled podcasts that I was going to do, you know, months ago because just didn't have the energy to do them with with any optimism. It was just like dark. Yes. What, what are what what are some things that you you and and your organization as a family business are are dealing with right now? Ooh, um, I would say in terms of the economics of the industry, or just in general, economics process. Uh, uh, Talent, just, you know, it's a business. What, what kinds yeah. of things are you wrestling with? Right. Right now we're really wrestling about how to, because with the business being hurt and having to furlough um, a number of our employees and take from part full-time to part-time a number mm -hmm. of our employees. Now we're about redefining exactly some of the niches we want to continue. Okay. Uh, redefining the, significance and also the roles that people played here prior and not in a way of oh we're letting go but in the way of where we're having to really recalibrate to make sure that it is feasible for the business both service product and also profit wise um and i and i know a lot of businesses are um they said about on um, two weeks ago when i was listening to the news that uh, maybe 30% of the workforce of companies that had to close won't come back. They yeah. will not be able to back because of how much businesses have lost and how they're really trying to make sure that they can actually stay alive in the next five years. Um, hell, some of them are trying to see if they can stay alive in the next, next year or two. Exactly. Yeah. So right now it's really about what do we need? Who so, is well, it was the fantastic because you're, I mean, some businesses are just sort of waiting. You clearly have been active and thinking about oh, yeah. business every, which the, <laughs> the wheels are turning, right? Every which way you've been not yeah. going to, it's not going to be the same. So I got to think about what I'm going to do with the business, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, um, no, one's, no, one, no one signed up to lead through a crisis like this. What, what have you mm -hmm. learned about yourself as kind of a, a crisis leader, if you will? I would say that now I have more time for the things that really matter that I didn't think I did. Um, think about how much time downtime we've had, we have had in this past three months that sure. some things never gotten done. Some rest would have never been taken um, because we were so busy moving like this. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, what I'm learning about myself is that I have control over every waking moment of my life every waking moment of my life, whether it is I choose to practice my guitar, whether it is I choose to work, you know, open up the opportunity right. to work on books publishing, whether it's my choice, you know, to sit with, you know, a family that is in a crisis, I have the choice. And before certain things were missed out on, um, my nephew was born um, in February, and I mean, the end of January. And unfortunately, 
prior to the COVID, my life was so busy that I didn't, I, I, every weekend I was trying to plan to go see him, I didn't get the chance to. And then once COVID happened, I thought to myself and was like, all those weeks prior, was I really that busy? Yeah. Was that meeting or that event or that whatever more important than actually seeing your nephew while he was priorities? That badge of so busyness, my, yeah. That's uh, great. My priorities have shifted um, drastically and it feels so good, honestly. Even though there's a lot of downfalls that have happened, it feels really good to take control over my life again. What's one thing you've been experimenting with or playing with with that that found and that control over your time? Yeah, so I actually just bought some new equipment, a new um, blue mic, a blue blackout USB microphone. Um, I just purchased some really nice headphones and I just downloaded some really dope software because now I'm getting back into voiceovers and narration. Nice. So is another level of multimedia that we're going to be offering at the company, which is voiceover production. I have a neighbor here because I'm working from home who yes. did retired creative director who spent a lot of later part of his career uh, voicing books on tape. Really? Going, the out, going out to the west side of the state and, and spending a lot of time recording and laying stuff down. He's got the, this wonderful mellifluous voice, you know. And, oh, um, man. And yeah, it was like a second career. Very, very neat story. How do you, um, um, I mean, I know right now, how do you get, you know, you talk about thinking about this business all the time. What has been generally your way to kind of get away from the family business and the business family? What are your, in normal times, what are your escapes? I actually, meaning like the hobbies that I might have. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, I had purchased a year ago some roller skates and I had a skate party for my birthday when I turned 30 last year. And um, prior to COVID, I put in my calendar on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays to skate for an hour and a half. And right when COVID happened, the roller rink shut down. Yeah. And I was like, man, now one of my future hobbies that I was using to break away and to get my mind off work has now been shut out. And luckily, I started to analyze my skates and I noticed that I bought indoor and outdoor wheels. I didn't even know that. So... Uh, four to five times a week, I uh, roller skate. I awesome. roller skate for about an hour. <laughs> and that is my way to get away because I am not, an, I am not, I don't have any technology on me other than my cell phone. It's on airplane mode and I'm listening to music. I'm looking at the beautiful nature that's around me. Spring has been doing us so well this year. Yeah. And I'm able to really just focus on um, the little things that are actually the big things in life, um, which is, you know, the beautiful world that's around us. Honestly. And uh, I mean, I, I love that image of just rolling around the city. <laughs> and I mean, a you lot might, of people, well, a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of people discovering cycling and rolling on two wheels. Uh, you know, you're rolling on some different wheels, but. Rolling on eight. I, yeah. And I travel all around the city. I travel all around greater Detroit to roller skate. I'm in Berkeley, Birmingham, downtown Detroit, Ferndale, I'm everywhere. So you might've seen me and just didn't know it. <laughs> I, I, I got to look now. Yeah, right. any, any, I mean, you talked about that, that focus uh, and looking at the business from every sort of, of angle. Any you know, big idea that's kind of come up lately, something you're implementing for, for um, you know, running the business and thinking about the business or for family? I mean, it's, this is about family business, so it doesn't have to be just all business. I tend to right. go there a little bit. Right. Um, so, yeah, my father and I, uh, we have had, we've had 
two businesses that we've ran other than Maze Multimedia. Um, we have a company called MCS Asset Holdings, and it's an investment company. Okay. And um, what we did is we recalibrated right at the beginning of the COVID crisis into um, offering PPE. Um, so we've had um, fulfillments and also contracts and RFPs with um, um, municipalities and also um, the cities of various states to actually provide PPE items such Fantastic. as K95 items. Um, so we kind of recalibrated that in order to offer medical supplies. So uh, we've been, and actually I'm, I'm actually here in the office more times now for that particular business because of the volume. And also we're working with um, COVID testing by offering, not offering, but also selling um, the kits, huh. the medical kit. Yeah. He's an international businessman. He has been for the past 40 years. Um, so he brought me into that part of the family business about a year ago. And I mean, you know, it's not, not no business is three generations. What, what next year will be 75. Is that correct? <laughs> No, I'm so glad we weren't celebrating 75 yeah. years. Yeah, <laughs> what, what, yeah. What's one or two famous stories along the journey of, you know, the, the, the thing that didn't go according to plan, the, the, big, the, big, the big mistake, the disaster? There's, there's always something. What, 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 what do you recall? What do you tell? Um, I'm not trying to bring us down. I just, I know, right? the highs and the because lows. Triumph as well, right? I would say, ooh, Jamie, that's kind of a hard one to think about because nothing really comes to mind, okay. and I don't want well, to forget you, you all. If the business has been blessed, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, business has been blessed, and of course, we've had lows, um, in you know, in smaller ways, but nothing really in the in the way where it actually probably would have broke the business and or even the relationship that my father and I have had. Um, I have dealt with in the past um, an employee that. Um, was, how do I put this, that didn't have a lot of ethics, and we didn't know it until um, um, they transitioned out of the business and tried to also bring other employees with them. Um, that was one of, the one of the times when we had to reevaluate who we hired and then take it and then fine-tune it a little bit more. Um, unfortunately, that person is no longer. Fortunately, that person is no longer here at the business. But that also reminded me that that's a part of corporate America that we never experienced here because, well, I never experienced here as a leader because I was always very, very intricate and very serious about who I hired and sure. who I could trust. And that was a one time when trust was compromised um, on their part, uh, and that right there, that kind of made me very. I was very emotional about it only because. I thought to myself, like, how did I even let it get this far? Well, it, that, speak, that speaks to that integrity first approach you have. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. I, I mean, I, it, they do stick with me those times that, that those with individuals or even a client where those bonds of trust have been broken. I mean, I, 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 you don't forget that. And, and, and I never, and I never dealt with that before because I keep a very, very small circle in terms of people that I actually confide in or anybody that, you know, has my, my, my personal number. Like I, I keep, I'm very, very, very private. Um, and the business is kind of ran as a, as a private institution as well. Like, you know, you have to book in to get to our office. Everything is appointment only. Um, we built our model at this location, especially where everything was intimate because we, we invited it. You know, or that person 
came from a reference or a resource and they thought to do business with us because of our integrity and because of how excellent we we handle you know our communication so for sometimes when you find out that that person may not always have that motive that you have when you sit down um it really struck a struck a chord but then my father had to remind me he said elizabeth that's business don't take it personal keep it moving mm -hmm. and that was the exact words he told me Jamie. And do, do, do you find, I mean, as a, as a generational business, it, there can yeah. be positives and negatives of that as far as attracting new business, new opportunities. So how, speak to how that's, how you've leveraged that well, or where that may have been a challenge. I mean, you talk about multimedia and technology. People are sort of enamored of the new and the shiny and the, you know, <laughs> it's like the more exciting is, you know, snap because it's, the newest platform versus something that's been around a while and proven. Right. So how, mm -hmm. how do you, how have you had to sort of dance with both of those, that, 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 the, the fact of having that history and that heritage and legacy? Mm, I'm very protective of it. I'm very protective of anything that we venture into. And the beautiful thing is that my father is a man and he's in the opposite generation as I am. I'm a woman and I'm in the opposite the generation is him so we truly rely on each other so much when it comes to almost every minute detail here at the company okay even though my father has given me so much like freedom to do whatever i want like we mm -hmm. can be making a, a opportunity or a deal and or whatever it is and then i say actually i don't know if we want to do it this way anymore he says okay and he gives me the freedom to do whatever it is that I believe is good for the company because once he gave me the, the reins, since then, I've been only making the best decisions for the business because I understand that technically I'm going to have to be responsible for it for the next 30 years. Think right. about it. Like right. 20, hopefully the next 20 to 25 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I got to be a realistic, um, potentially realistic. Um, so for me, you know, it's really about just weighing out the outcomes and really seeing whether or not it's really going to be benefit the company to the ultimate, you know, the ultimate, um, you know, level. Um, so I don't battle as much as I used to because I'm older now and I'm wiser and I see myself as an excellent businesswoman um, that I mentor both young and old all the time. I was going to um, ask you about that. So you. Yeah, you you have some some other business people and leaders in the community that you're mentoring now. Correct? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You'd be surprised. Um, and and I do a lot of speaking engagements. I've always done a lot of networking. I've always done a lot of um, you know conferences and galas in which either I was awarded an award or either I was there to support another entity on their behalf. So for me, showing up in a space to be present. Yeah, you've put yourself um, out there, right? Oh yeah, my mom always told me it's okay if you it, it's okay to be full or to be who you are because if you make someone uncomfortable, then that that means that they were uncomfortable from the get go. So for me, if you know, you know, some rooms I come off across as, mm, you know, how did she get here, right? Or it could be the instance where, you know, I'm in the room and I might take up a lot of space. I don't intentionally take up space, but that's just who I am. Sure, I am very. I am very, like you said, energetic and bubbly. This is just who I am. And uh, a lot of the times it works in my favor because people get to experience authenticity at a certain level. I'm a very authentic person and, and it takes a lot for a person, to, you know, for me to see if the person is authentic as well. So I have to ask you, even though I'm trying, you know, this isn't 
a podcast based on, you know, ripped from the headlines and all of that. So <laughs> we deal with, you know, a generation, I mean, truly a business that was formed coming out of a, you know, serving in a world war Ooh, and, yeah. and then, and all that it's been through. And then this, this pandemic is a very serious, both health and economic reality. And now we have, you know, the last four or five days of, you know, riots in the streets of cities all over the world. Um, and you're, and you're someone who's speaking and connecting and, and leading. So what, what are, I mean, I'm struggling with what can I do, you know, uh, uh, a, a white male of privilege, if you will, in this environment, but for yourself, what are you, have you, have you written anything, spoken anything? What do, what are you doing or saying to your team and to the community? Uh, is it, is, as we deal with some, you know, some serious issues again, right, right again, which is so unfortunate. Um, I have used my social media, especially my, my Instagram, um, as a platform to be able to speak out, um, to my followers who is, um, it's a melting pot. Um, my followers, um, range in different cultures, race, religion, and also age, um, to let them know that for those who still are, um, figuring out whether or not this is a problem that they should be dealing with as well. I make it very clear. This is something because, you know, injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. So for me, dealing with this has been very, very hard. I've lost a lot of sleep. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of, um, that's why you said you, you know, control your waking moments. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you control the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, you know, it's really hurtful because I happen to be, um, dating a, a black man of color um, whose skin tone is darker. So immediately when you see him, he gets racially profiled. Mm. I have loved ones, cousins, uncles, um, you know, brother, um, who all could be someone in this same identical scenario. So it's hard to really digest the fact that we're in this same, we're in this same circle, this, this same revolving issue that has, really put a heavy a weight of anger and so many different feelings um, on people of color. And uh, the beautiful thing is that now I'm seeing my friends who are not black of non-color show up and actually say, George Floyd, say his name, or, you know, you know, could it, you know, who's next? And, you know, um, they're saying things that are saying, you know, are, you know, making it very clear that, they see that this was mishandling of a human being's life. Um, so I've just been using my social media um, to, you know, constantly speak out. Um, I also today partnered with a, um, a literacy organization called Little Light Literature Co. And um, I am giving away five literature boxes uh, for prayer and reading to five children because my thing is with so much going on, we forget that there, we have to heal and we have to sometimes relearn in different ways in order to not have so much built anger and animosity against, you know, white America, if we have to be very, very frank. Um, so we are partnering to create these boxes. Um, and these are little black, you know, books of black children, black stories, sure. black history, sure. black, legacy, black excellence. And these books also contain little prayer cards and activities that parents can actually engage with their children to help them heal, to help them to discuss what's going on. Uh, and really just make sure they keep their minds as much as possible off of going to bed angry and going to bed concerned about their father, their brother, their uncle, or their cousin. 
Well, that's, be um, so, that's beautiful because if we're talking about a yeah. podcast called Generation Excellence, you're yes. saying a generational business and this has been a generational issue. I got I to gotta do something about the next generation. Yeah, to do something. Uh, even though we got to deal, even though we got to deal with stuff that's right in front of us. We, we Absolutely. You know, right now, to... I right now I am so concerned with our youth. Yeah. Because I what they've those... lost already with school and other things, and then you add this on. Absolutely, I am so um, passionate about the fact that children's minds are more moldable, and we have more opportunity to help navigate their future than we do someone you know, 25 and younger. We don't have that much influence as much as we think. Um, I mean, 25 and older. So right now for me, it's about depositing those words of affirmation, depositing good images of black America. It's about yeah. depositing the true story about African-American history and also African history in the beautiful continent of Africa. It's really about making sure that we don't have to second guess ourselves, despite the fact that we're going through all of this right now. Um, and, you know, 20 years ago, I was 10 years old. Right. And if my parents didn't deposit what they did into me, no telling what really my values would be. Right. And, right. And thankfully, to you earlier integrity and the fact that my parents left me a great name and it's my job to continue that it really, that's, really that that's wonderful i i mean i i <laughs> will leave it at that i mean i, I can't I don't, <laughs> no other questions i i, I that even though it is uh, yeah. in the moment news you're talking about sort of timeless principles there elizabeth yes. i thank you for sharing the maze printing to maze multimedia to the other businesses that have spawned that that family story it, it's a great one yeah. and uh, I look forward to the response that your your network that's larger than mine has when when we post this podcast. Oh, man, I can't wait. No, I yeah. look forward to it. Um, I appreciate you wanting to have this conversation and also to be able to you know mix up the questions so that we can talk about things that are all relevant to how we operate, we move, and we have our being right now. Um, because you know being in these times, there's so many things that are putting us down. But being able to have this conversation also reminds that you know we're still lifted up in different ways. Super. Generation Excellence is hosted by me, Jamie Michelson, with help from SMZers Eric Freiberger, Sam Daly, Eric Head, and Joel Bienenfeld. Thanks also to Randy and his team at Stage 3 Audio. Thank you for listening, and please give some of the other episodes a try. One more thing, if you have comments or a suggested future guest, please don't be afraid to contact me. <laughs>